Tucson Electric Power recognizes local businesses, organizations, and individuals that partner with them to preserve the environment and promote sustainability. These are forward-thinking partners who are creative and effective in their approaches to promoting greater sustainability in the Tucson community and surrounding areas. We are spotlighting the community partners in this special podcast series, this one being our fourth episode. And today we welcome Bjorn Meyer. He is the mine general of the Grupo Mexico Asarco Mission Mine in Sauerita, Arizona. Mission Mine is an integrated copper production complex that has been in continuous operation since 1959. Hard to even believe. Bjorn has been a key member of the general management leadership team at Mission since 2013. He is a mining engineering graduate of the College of Engineering at the University of Arizona, and we welcome all Wildcats here in this show. So Bjorn, it's great to have you here. It's great to be with uh, you, Gina. Go cats. Oh. I know. I Go can't cats. Help, I can't help it. It's in my DNA. So instead of jumping to some of the important questions I have and the content we're going to talk about, can you just tell us a little bit about your job? It's like a big job and the scope of work so that some of the other questions that I ask make sense. Yeah, for sure. So I am the general mine manager of the Asarco Mission Complex. The uh, the mission mine is located 20 miles south of Tucson. So if anyone's driving toward Green Valley, we're the first stop on the right side of the road yeah, before you, you get to Green it. Valley. <laughs> you can't miss it. So, you know, we've been uh, definitely part of the community since 1959, um, producing copper nonstop since the 50s. So that's one thing we're proud of is we've generated a lot of uh, revenue, jobs, tax base, and, and such for the local community in southern Arizona. Um, Pima County and Tucson area. So, so my daily job entails running the mine operation. I am the head guy, so I'm responsible for about 700 individuals. We have about 500 uh, hourly individuals. Uh, we are a union operation, so uh, we've got three unions. We've got the steel workers, the International Brothers of Electrical Workers, the steel workers, um, the operating engineers, and such. So my day starts out um, probably about five in the morning, roll out of bed, drive out to the mine. Uh, since the mine runs 24 seven, you know, there's always problems to be solved in the course of the day, especially when we're producing copper. Um, we got to juggle the fact that uh, the environment is the first and foremost thing that we are you know, cognizant of, making sure we're doing it in a safe, protective manner, and ensuring all our employees go home safe each and every day to come back and do it again. And furthermore is we got to make sure our, our clients, which are the people that take the copper once we're done producing it, are being, uh, that their needs are being satisfied in terms of the quality of the copper, the quantity, and the timeliness. So we've got all these moving parts, and especially with COVID right now, it's been even more stressful with supply chain and such. So there's some days where we're hoping stuff shows up in terms of uh, parts and components. So it can be, be quite stressful. So since we're part of the Grupo Mexico family, uh, we're definitely one cog in the bigger machine. So um, all our concentrate is already pre-sold months ahead of time. So we got to make sure that we are meeting our budget in terms of production and cost each and every day to ensure that we can stay here in the, in the U.S. producing copper at the uh, lowest unit cost. 
So it's some days when I'm doing these interviews, I just think about how frequently COVID is brought into the conversation, how much it comes into my personal life and, you know, going out to dinner and talking to restaurant owners. I mean, it just goes on and on and on about the impact of COVID, which I think is far from over. So just your job got harder is what I hear from that, like a lot harder. It has been. And I don't envy you at all. That's what I'm going to say. That's my personal commentary. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely, Gina. And and an issue we run into is not only supply chain, you know, unfortunately, the last number of decades, we've off- offshored so much of our supply for parts and, and consumables that we are very much a global economy. So if anything goes wrong in China or South Africa or whatever, because we get a lot of stuff from different countries, you right. know, that can right. really create chaos for us. And furthermore, people, you know, the human capital part of it has been very stressful because it's it's hard finding those skilled trades. I'm sure you hear about it daily, those mechanics, those welders, yep. you know, the yep. operators that run the trucks, you know, the 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 plumbers, the electricians, all these key trades, you know, we're all competing, not only in the mining industry for these people's talents and stuff, but everyone is. So right, right. You know, oh my gosh. It, 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 it's tough to find people to, you know, do those jobs. So we're actively recruiting those type of people through apprenticeships. Again, it takes a number of years to develop people. So, you know, I wish we had a a magic wand away and say, hey, we got a bunch of electricians. Unfortunately, we don't. I know, I know. And I interviewed someone from, two people from Pima Community College. One of them was actually from the foundation and from the college. And it encourages me that they're getting on board in so many areas. But again, it's not an instant fix. They're building some of the buildings. They're having supply chain issues. So even though I'm proud of what Pima Community College is doing in terms of having a more reliable, educated and relevant workforce, it's going to take time. There's no silver bullet. So, you know, from where I sit, and you know that I'm an environmentalist and a climate change advocate for change and all this stuff, but Mm -hmm. what I have grown to understand, and which is why I think I have such a a solid partnership with TEP. This issue is a complex carbohydrate, the one of mining, because what I learned, it's easy to judge and say the mines are bad, blah, 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 blah. And then what I got to the point is where I say, do you have any idea what your life would look like without any copper? Do you have any idea what your life would look like with a number of these trace minerals. So it's kind of a, it is a complex situation. So this interview for me, was really relevant and important and exciting because what you're going to talk about is sustainable development driving the copper mining business to Asarco. So can you share some of us with with us what's going on and how important it is for us to learn about it? My listeners care and they learn and they listen, but I don't I've never covered anything about sustainable development in the copper mining industry, believe me. So I'm very excited to hear about it. No, absolutely, Gina. And one thing for sure is there's a saying, if you can't grow it, it's got to be mined. And that's very true. (laughs) You know, everything in our daily life, whether it's, you know, copper that goes into the lights that power houses, the cell phones, those rare earth minerals that go into the new battery packs for these EVs, um, you know, talc, which is in your paint, you know, um, titanium, which is in your toothpaste, you know, all these things people don't realize have to come from a mine. You just can't... uh, grow it. So, right. It's not a manufacturing issue. Correct. So obviously we got to extract it and we got to extract it in an environmentally sustainable way as well, you know, to ensure the world has an ongoing supply because you can recycle a certain amount of material up to a point. But unfortunately with 
recycling, you lose uh, some of the recovery uh, population growth. As long as we have a growing population, you know, you're going to have to continue to extract uh, these mineralization from the from the crest of the earth uh, itself. So, right, right. You know, it's just we can't just shut off mining, you know, because everyone went through EVs and this decarbonization of the planet. And, so, and, and frankly, so do I. You know, I think it's very exciting times we're in. You know, copper is very relevant in that area as well. You know, it's... Because, you know, the U.S. went through the, the Industrial Revolution back in the day with Thomas Edison and the string of power lines across America. And then we had the the Internet and the computerization, which took, took copper. And then copper kind of, you know, died out. But here we are again, very relevant in this, you know, no decarbonization space going forward. And um, my goal and, and Sarco's goal and Group of Mexico's goal is to, you know, obviously we got to work with all our stakeholders and partners in the world because we got to supply the world these rare earths and these uh, commodities such as copper and iron and nickel and cobalt to ensure we can do this transformation. Otherwise, we will be wed to a carbon-based economy for a very long time, and that's what we're trying to get away from. So, And you have practices in place, which it, it, it's, it's always affirming to me to learn that you're doing it in an environmentally conscious way, which really meets the needs of what I think the world economy is demanding more and more, and doing things that are zero harm to the environment. And that's not easy with what you do. So the fact that you have your focus on it, your green light, so to speak, and stakeholder involvement with local and regional communities, I mean, I think it really matters. And um, tell us about the copper mark certification and why it's important. What is this? So the copper mark certification is a, it's basically like a, a, a framework kind of like the, you know, Paris Climate Accord, but it's really driven toward the copper market. Not only is Grupo Mexico a Sarco part of it, but Freeport McMoran is also signed on to be part of it. In the next 24 months, all the mines are going to strive toward working with the copper mark uh, group to uh, ensure that we are able to meet the demands of responsible production practices you know, supporting sustainable development and mitigating environmental degradation to the benefit of the local communities, customers, and consumers. And we know going forward, this is going to have to be the way of life. If you're going to get any type of investment or or, or, or even people buying your product, you've got to kind of, you know, kind of embrace the copper mark uh, way of life to ensure that you are the first person someone picks to buy our or copper versus the other guy who may be producing the copper in a third world country, unfortunately, you know, such as Africa. While these third world countries do not have the amount of environmental controls in place, nor, you know, look at the post-mining plan for a mine operation after they've finished mining that particular ore deposit out. So, Oh, and the list goes on. That's why this show got me excited, because there's so many heinous, horrible stories that are not brought to our to your doorstep because of your treatment of employees. I mean, mm-hmm. I grew up with friends who worked at Asarco, and it was a sought-after job. The pay was good. It was consistent. It was more than a livable wage. So there were positive things. And some of the mines around the world, you can't say that. It's like, it's way worse than slave labor. So yes. it, it's just encouraging to me at this point in my life to see that people care and that that people that are sourcing it from you. And of course, I believe it's because the consumer is saying, stop, enough already, we got to have this. So more encouraging information, I think. You have very clear initiatives. And this, I'm going to be honest, I'm so transparent about this. This was like news to me, encouraging news. But ASARCO has leveraged 
things to drive a more carbon-neutral mind of the future. And I would like you to tell us, there's four main initiatives that I can see, starting with solar farms. So tell us about what you're doing to move towards a more carbon-neutral mine, because we're going to need stuff that's in the ground. Let's be honest, everybody. Let's be honest right there. It's true, too, and mining is very energy-intensive, whether it's electricity that we use in the liberation of the mineral in the mills or the amount of electricity we use at some of our operations to run the SXEW, which is solution extraction electromining, or basically plating the copper out of solution at some of our leaching operations. It's a very energy-intensive business we're in. So, you know, that's our, definitely our laser focus is to, you know, figure out how we can source our, our power alone that we use in the business, in the milling, the mining, and the uh, refinery and the smelter, right. especially, because it's all very carbon-intensive, no right. doubt about it. So, right. Right. so for us, starting back in 2013 at the Mission Mine in particular, we were approached by uh, TEP, and we began our first partnership with uh, building out the Avalon Solar uh, Farm, which is basically north of Sarita. If you look kind of, oh, about a couple miles east of the I- or I-19 interstate, you'll see a large solar farm over there. Large, very large. Correct. I can attest to that very large solar array. <laughs> so I think that, that that first phase was like 500 uh, acres covered with, oh gosh, probably 100,000 solar panels. But that was the first partnership that we decided to engage in with TEP to help, you know, hey, you know, why don't you lease the property from us? You know, you guys can put your panels on here and then we can, you know, definitely buy back some of the power to offset the um, carbon intensity of our operations. So that was the first phase where we started engaging with TEP. And then a few like a few years later in 2019, I believe there was a phase two where, where we added additional capacity to, to that same Avalon solar farm going forward. Now, now internally for a Sarco Grupo Mexico, uh, we are looking at post land use um, especially when, let's say, a, a particular parcel is, you know, filled up with uh, with the gang material tailings. If you see some of the tailings impoundments along the freeway there, we do have post-mining plans planned for those. Um, one of them we're looking at installing a very large solar array. Our, our goal is to have enough solar capacity to offset any of the energy consumption from our mining operations, and that's what, what we're driving toward right now. Not only is it good for the environment, but also, you know, it, it makes use of that pretty much useless part of, or that useless parcel of land going forward and having a post-mining use for it. So, you know, that, that's very important for us. Um, another initiative we're looking at too, Gina, is um, in our mine, we, we run a lot of diesel-powered electric-driven um, haulage trucks. Right. These massive trucks, you know, they move a, a million tons of payload per trip. So they're... Good Lord. Oh. Uh, these are huge machines. Every trip alone, you know, they're hauling about 30,000 pounds of copper per trip. So, you know, they're moving a, a, a lot of copper, but they do use a lot of fuel. So um, we've been working with a lot of the large equipment OEMs, especially Komatsu. Uh, one thing nice about Komatsu as a partner is they do have their uh, Komatsu proving grounds literally on our property. We sublease land to them. So they have a very large proving ground facility that we are working with them on building that next technology for the uh, the world going forward. So we get basically the bleeding edge technology. We get to try it out. We get to help partner on it. We, we get to prove it out for the world before they sell it to all the other mining customers in the world. So right now we're working on an initiative where uh, we have this thing called trolley assist. Essentially, if you've seen kind of like the streetcar, it has right. that overhead power line. Right. Well, essentially the, our haul trucks have a, a pantogram. It will raise up 
put its little thing, tentacles up on that overhead power line. You're kidding Essentially, me. Essentially, <laughs> it shuts off the diesel engine and the truck goes up the, up the hill or down the hill strictly on electric power from the grid. So essentially you're burning zero diesel fuel, zero carbon footprint. So right, that's huge. We, that's huge. That is huge. It's huge. I mean, we probably, alone, we burn millions and millions of gallons of diesel fuel. So if we can just take that out of the equation, that's going to be a huge help to the environment alone, not putting those millions of tons of, of carbon or NOx up in the atmosphere, especially in Pima County. We struggle enough as it is with... I know, with air quality. Yep. With air quality. So if we can do our part, you know, in that realm, that'd be very helpful. Yes, and it it just it blows me away how because I I have relationships with the Department of Environmental Quality and how things like this affect our air quality and it's a big deal to people with any type of upper respiratory breathing issues, asthma, and all that stuff. So it it all helps. It helps a lot. I do have to ask you this: one of the partnerships that I didn't I have no idea what it is, but X Prize competitions. Talk to me about that. That sounds like a fun thing to talk about. Yes. X Prize competitions. What is that? Yeah. Bjorn. <laughs> so if you guys know anything about like Warren Buffett or Bill Gates or Elon Musk. Yeah, um, hopefully we do. <laughs> so they tend to challenge people with a pot of money. So they'll say, all right, and it's also backed by industry players like Asarco right. and Grupo right. and Freeport and General Motors and Komatsu and Caterpillar. So we all kick in, you know, several million dollars into this kitty. And we say, all right, here's $30 million, and it's open to anyone, whether that the university, uh, private uh, enterprise, government-level people, they can, you know, take take a whack at a, a problem. For example, let's say, you know, can you guys think outside the box for, you know, what can we do post-use for tailings, you know? And then we collect a bunch of ideas, uh, we kind of triage them, and then we uh, select a couple, usually about five to ten people get awarded some seed money, and then we give them about nine to 10 months to come up with their initial proof of concept. And then it gets whittled down to three, and then that's where we give them a lot of money, you know, a couple million dollars worth to kind of basically kind of go crazy with. <laughs> I mean, that's like unflipping real and so yeah. effective. Very I'm effective. serious. I mean, first of all, there's the money part, which if you're doing stuff in that space and you care, you want to find new things to do. I mean, that sounds so like obvious, but it's so true. And when you incentivize people to think outside the box and that's how real change happens. I've seen it over and over yes. again. It makes me happy. It even, it even happens at SARCEF, the science fairs, when you see kids who take the blinders off and just start experimenting. That's extremely cool. I really like that. And then another thing that just kind of freaked me out, but uh, it's the future. I can't get my head around it at all. I really can't. Where you might have um, <laughs> driverless haulage trucks, because of automation, is that is that a thing? You think that's really going to have going to happen? <laughs> Unfortunately, it is happening, and it will be the way of the future going forward. So there will be driverless <laughs> these giant, huge haul <laughs> trucks are driving around with no people I in the cab. It, it's I can't even. I can't even. It's to tell you the truth. You see, it's very spooky because you're oh. like. You're, you're trusting that computer to, you know, know where it's going and, you know, and, and, and do the right thing. So yeah, it just makes me sick to my stomach, but I agree. And there's not like, there's a lot of pedestrians around either. So that's no. part, that part's good. It's not like when I think of them being on I-10 or I-25 or I-40, it's like, 
please don't let me see that. I'll go off the road because I'll be so freaked out. Well, that's, and I understand, and I know that there's high risk for humans, so that's wonderful. There's the fatigue factor, which I understand because like I said, I had friends work at the mines, you get tired. So I think that's great. And I'm so glad it's going on and I'm so glad I don't have to see it. So there, you can you can have all that angst, Bjorn. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not taking a I'm not taking a tour to see this. Um another question, which to me is like an absorption rate, that's what I call it when there's so many issues that are brought up. Um and and you gave me some information about why is mining and extraction of key green minerals pivotal to the green resolution and combating of climate change? And I'd like you to answer that. This is a very important question that I think consumers need to understand. I think many of them do, but there's critical materials that we need and we have to put that in, in concert with climate change because look what's happening with all of our waterways you know, the list goes on. So talk to me about that, about the green resolution and the partnership with combating climate change in your company's goals and missions, your values. Yeah, so we made a commitment uh, late last year to basically cut our carbon emissions in half by the year 2030. So that's, you know, a very tall order. That's huge, huge. That's like eight that's like eight years from now, literally. And I'll tell you what, time flies and it'll be 2030 here in no time, literally. It will. Tomorrow, like tomorrow. That's how I feel. I do. I'm with you. And they've also given us like a stretch goal to, to go for like <laughs> 70, 80%, you know, <laughs> zero emissions. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of late nights or burning the midnight oil trying to, you know, make this happen, especially for the stakeholders. They have an expectation of us to hit these uh, kind of lofty goals. Are they doable? Oh, absolutely. It's a function of... You know, sweat equity, obviously, it's going to take a lot of capital investment. People got to realize this is not going to be a cheap thing to happen either. It's basically a paradigm shift in the way how, in the way that we do our business, especially going from the old way, which has been the way for the last three decades, to the new norm or the new way going forward in the green economy. Right, right, right. So you're... You're doing a lot of exciting things. And, you know, I want my last question to be, do you sleep nights, Bjorn? Because I would not want your job. No. And I don't I don't say that on every show. I really don't. I would not want your job no matter what. I've interviewed people and I think, nope, don't want it. Too hard. Really stressful. Lots of changes. Oh, my gosh. So I'm glad that we have a, a you. I'm serious. It's like it's a lot. It's a lot. A lot. Yes, it is. Indeed. Okay. Is there anything else you wanted to do? I mean, I, of course, went over time on what this is supposed to be, but I don't care because I don't follow rules well at all. <laughs> and I wanted to get this information out and your answers were helpful. And I, I kind of want to add sincerely that um, learning about the minds and their connection to our insatiable appetite for consumer goods and my commitment to a cleaner, greener economy it's not easy. It's not a straight path. And to, to hear that you're doing all these things was very affirming to me. I had no idea. I cannot be more honest. I'm not tracking. I've had, you know, there have been a lot of other things. I keep my, my light spotlight on, but this was not one of them. So it's like, wow, when I got ready to prepare this. So I just want to thank you and, and hope that you'll just keep up staying in this direction because we're all going to have to figure out ways to be responsible stewards when it comes to the planet, mm -hmm. all of us. So I'm glad that you're on the forefront as an organization. So thanks for your time. 
Uh, likewise, Gina, and just so that your audience knows, it's very critical. We're going to be competing for all these key materials, and we got to work yes. as, as as a group, as a community. Um, you know, we're very transparent. You know, we have uh, tours or operations that come and see what we do. People think it's a black box behind there. Actually, it's not. We're very open about what we do. So, and we're going to need partnership with the community because I know there's a lot of you know friction in regards to you know like the rose monster of the world and things like that. But you know we. We, we got to have these mineralizations to build our green economy. Otherwise, it's going to be who has the most money will get the, the electric cars and the lithium and stuff. Right now, there's actually going to be battles fought for these things right now. Everyone's locking Big them up time. across the world right now. Yes, they're being scarfed up. And it's going to be, you're right, it's going to be the person with the most money that wins. The cash will win. So yeah. I am appreciative of your work and I wish you well in every one of these things. I mean, to to amass in my brain the impact, the ever, never-ending impact of COVID. I just wish you well on that. It's everywhere. I mean, I, I, my family's like, oh my God, she's going to talk to the restaurant owner about supply chain. Mom, please don't. But I, you know, wherever I go, there I am. So this was, this was very um, helpful to me and I appreciate it. So go forth and conquer. We need you. I will continue to do that as well as all 700 valued employees of a circle mission. They're all on the same purview as we've discussed today, that they want the best for our community. They want a clean environment for their children and their grandchildren and the future generations for Southern Arizona and the world. That's wonderful. Quite frankly. It's really, really wonderful. Okay. Take good care. And thanks for being a part of this conversation. I appreciate it. I know you had a big job and taking this much time out is a chunk. So thanks for you and for your hard work. Thank you, Gina. I appreciate it.